track. And then I'm equip you to get some things done. And that's nobody else than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm thankful for him. Um, honor the pastor, first family here. Uh, in their stead, in their absence, I want to thank them uh, for the opportunity to be able to bring the word to you today. Um, I want to uh, honor my DPs, my, my fellow leaders, life group members, uh, ministers, ministers and trainers, pastors, uh, as such, and my beautiful wife as well, here as well. So thank God for you, my family, um, and thank you all for coming today, right? Because y'all said y'all want the word of God, and I believe that he has a word for you today. Um, as many of you know, this weekend we celebrated the uh, wedding of Sister Cassie and Brother Pat, right? <laughs> oh, man. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful doesn't begin to describe. Beautiful doesn't begin to describe. Um, wow, it was just a very beautiful, uh, just gathering arrangement. Um, the ceremony obviously was, was the capstone of all the beauty that was, that was given there. But the fellowship that was had. The fellowship was so beautiful. I mean, I truly come away, uh, see, really, really resonant, believing, understanding that we are truly one church in <laughs> two locations. Uh, we had a ridiculous amount of fun, okay? <laughs> Groomsmen, y'all just know. We, we had a ridiculous amount of fun. There was at one point I was just trying to get some pictures over to my wife, right? Just being a genuine husband. I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, let me get some pics of what's going on. And I found myself in the foyer at one point, y'all. Uh, and I said, all right, let me get a pic and get most of the fellas in the background getting ready, you know, go out there and walk. And so I got this, like, timeline almost. And I'll share it maybe one day. But I got this timeline of, like, three specific pics I got. And it was one of me in my own bewilderment just like, man, I'm happy here, right? And that was the first, first pic I got. And then... The second pick, right, same group of guys huddled up, but then the second picture is snapped. You see this gentleman leaning his head off the wall into the picture, <laughs> most ostensibly, just right there locking eyes. And I remember, I remember seeing his head creep, and I remember my eyes rolling up to the corner. So when the picture snapped, you see in the second reel, you see my eyes cocked up to the corner with his head that was leaning on picture number two. I'm going somewhere with it. And then by the third picture, right, I was like, man, I don't know what this is going to lead to. Let me snap it before he gets something goofy out there. I snapped at the moment he threw the deuce. He bombed my picture, y'all. He bombed my picture. I'm not going to call your name, but you know who you are. Bombed my picture, man. And uh, we, we were just having a ball, you know. We were just having a ball. You can see this timeline progression of events. And speaking of timeline progression of events, right, and that's kind of where I want to lead out into today. It's timeline progression of events. As you know, Pastor's been doing the clock series, right? And if nothing else, this should at least raise questions and awareness on where we are chronologically, right? Where we are in time, right about this point. Uh, funny story, so Pastor mentioned a movie where they were fighting backwards. I said, man, I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, I wasn't in disbelief. I was very, very curious, though. I said, let me go figure this out and see what the, what the whole synopsis was. So I found that movie, right? Man. Um, if you don't like the action fighting guns of sort, this is not your movie. But if you do, man, you know, uh, no endorsement. It's just, it was just, you know. So, so I broke it down. I, I was actually understanding the plot, and and I understand why why past is conscious of events in time, 
Right, this movie did a, a decent job from a, you know, sci-fi side of things, being able to describe. Um, and the best description I could give for you as we open up this morning, um, imagine a parent or just somebody, right, walking into the kitchen and you see a bowl of Captain Crunch on the ground. Milk, cereal, just let out, right? And you're walking by and it's like, man, all these cereals over here and milk done trailed that way and bowl done tipped over. Spoon just, it's like, how did this happen? You naturally raise the question, right? How did this happen? There was a progression timeline of events. So if a, there was a camera recording it, okay? Yeah, y'all follow me on this. I'm going to walk this off. If it was moving forward in time, what you would see is a bowl intact with its milk and cereal with the spoon, right? And you'd see a child reaching up over a countertop or something that was just a little too high. And as the time moves forward, this child probably pulls it down at some angle that, was, that didn't land quite right. And then a bowl hits the ground. And immediately, the milk starts to flow. And right after that, the cereal goes out. Remember that order, right? So if I was to reverse that, what would we start to see? Things start coming back into place. The bowl would start to tilt back up. The milk will start to pour back in, and the cereals will start landing back on top. Y'all follow me? Right? I'm using a real simple example. So this movie did not use a simple example. It used some really extreme, just like, bro, how did that all happen in a, in a moment's notice? But what I did pull away, though, was that there's a cause and effect to things. That's cause and effect to things, right? And so what this movie explored was if such parent were in the future who walked in and to see the, the milk mess on the floor, the cereal, the movie goes to explain that if a parent was to be able to come back in time and while the milk was in the cereal was in motion, they would just put the bowl in a different place, right? We could prevent some situations, right? That's the short of it. That's the short of it. Well, in the kingdom... The Bible is the only book in the history of man that tells you the end from the beginning. Those who take their time, study it, indulge in it, add to that now, spending time with the Lord, getting sensitive to his voice, who he is, his persona, his personality. Those are those who are like that parent who can come from back in the future on a moment notice and put bowls of cereals back in place in your life, right? Today I want to explore that with you guys. And I'm not going to be long. Um, we went from faith school, what my man said, almost like end time school, so I figured it'd be appropriate um, to kind of to walk in, in pastor's stead in that direction as it relates to the times that we're in. What does it look like for us to accomplish God's will? Let's start, this, let's start this narrative from the end, shall we? So we're at the end now, right? <laughs> what would it look like at the end? Well, we would, we would have a number of souls on the ark, right? No, the cousin you've been fighting with, no, like she truly did just go ahead and lean in at a moment. No, he, he did go ahead and say, nah, you're right. I, I saw it. He had a heart change, right? No, at, at a certain point, like, we did get to retire pastor from all, his, all the work that he does. And if y'all spend any time with him, like, y'all come to understand a sliver 
of the level of busyness <laughs> that he has. My man giving me the chuckle, so he already know. Like, we only see a slice. So what does it look like in the end? Well, we, we, we accomplished that goal very well. We, and I say we, right? Right? Because this is, this, is, this is a home crew, right? 8 a.m., right? right? These ain't the nosy neighbors. These are the home crew <laughs> coming in. No disrespect. Right? These are like people who have heard probably a story or two. Yeah. And I said, I'm curious to know more. Yeah. And invested time, gas, right, to get here. So these aren't just from the flyby on the, on the, on the, on the uh, you know, online. And we love you guys, too. No disrespect. We love you guys, too. And, you know, a number of reasons you couldn't be here. But this crew that I'm here with today, though, right, like, it'd be a hard endeavor. What, is it, what does God's will look like accomplished here at Keaton, Keaton Church of Houston? No, we not only did we get the building, no, we got, we got masses of land and real estate. God's will accomplished in Houston for the Keaton Church of Houston is not just a building. It's actually, it's actually an acquisition of real estate that shaped the last generation. What does God's will look like in the earth for Kingdom Church of Houston? We actually got an mass amount of land that we changed in a mass amount of families' lives until Jesus came, generations' trajectories were turned differently. No different than the bowl of cereal. But we were able to do that now for thousands of people. That's what it looks like. So now, timeline of events, how do we get here? I'm going to open up with point one. There are two distinct bodies of authority given in the word of God. Go with me to 2 Chronicles 20.20. We're going to walk backwards into how we got there, right? We're going to put these pieces together on how we got to this point. And maybe a familiar scripture, if you've been in the kingdom, been around us for a bit, you know that we, we, we run with this. But I want you to put it before your eyes. I want you to read it with your lips. I'm going to start halfway in as they went forth, right? So just follow me right there. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper, right? Two distinct authorities God laid out for us right here in the scripture. God, who establishes your life, right? And the man of God, who changes your life, right? He impacts your life. So if we're going to journey to how we got to the place we accomplished the will of God here in Houston, one of the questions we had to ask ourselves was how do we go about valuing the right people? We got past to retire because we valued the right person. Right? We're going to take this segment by segment. How do we get there? Because the word of God says you value the Lord, that equates to establishment. That's basil. Right? And we don't kick a step over that foundation. What we said earlier, the only reason we're here is because we decided to get in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Right? So we start right there. But then further than that, he equips us. Right? And the teaching is part of equipping. And one of the teachings that we learn is that when we value the man of God, so shall ye prosper. Your life changes. Does that make sense, y'all? 
two bodies of authority were given to us in Scripture that's going to help us to get God's will accomplished in the earth today here in Houston, Texas, and at home where you are. So the first question you're going to be asking yourself on your way to that end point was, how did I go about valuing the right people? Next scripture we're going to, Matthew 24, 46. Second note here, along that journey, what we had to do was learn to separate from the notion that we're doing enough. For us to get God's will accomplished here in the earth realm, at a certain point, we had to break up with the thought and idea that we were actually doing enough. Yes? Because in reverse, if we feel like we're good, then we, we, we leveling out right here. So at a certain point, on our way to getting that thing accomplished, we had to break up with the idea, the notion, the belief. Cause, and the reason I use the word notion, because most people won't say it. Most people won't say I'm doing enough. Most people won't vocalize I'm doing enough. Right? But in communications, one of the conversations I have with the guys up there, uh, we're talking about how to, how to read, how to read faster and get more information. So, you know, in the beginning, like, communications wasn't even exchanged through through written text. God was making covenant with men through just dialogue and conversations. He gave images, right? Our eyes were initially used to just see things, right? He gave it to Abraham the covenant. What did he tell him to do? Look. See the stars, right? As a, he didn't give him a calculator. He didn't give him an encyclopedia, right? He gave him a vision. So the reality is that along the way, we got ourselves to getting this thing accomplished, right? We had to separate from the notion, the notion, the belief, right? That inward peace we probably won't speak out. We had to break up with that, as pastor would say, break up with your brain, right? The notion that we actually doing enough. First sub point on that was that we had to break up with the notion that we're doing enough for God right now. Break up with the notion that you are doing enough for God. What does the word say? Well, Jesus was talking to us here in the scripture in Matthew, and the question comes down to, blessed is the servant whom the Lord, when his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Right. And if we were to look all the way through that parable, what Jesus was talking to them about, he was talking to them about the servant doing work. And the pastor was talking to us about here the last few weeks. Right. Getting back to work, getting work done. Go to Matthew 24. Follow that with you. Pastor talking about us getting work done. We were talking about doing enough for God. God's going to be looking for a return at some point based on the work that we did. Right. Matthew 24, I'm going to get my place here. I want to bring out the full context on that. Don't want to leave it right as it is. So we're here at 24. <coughs> so the son coming of man, great tribulation. There will be a great tribulation, which such has not. Ah, yeah, the faithful servant and the evil servant. So 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom the master made ruler over his household and gave him food in a due season. Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Or surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. This is Jesus. What did he say in his own red text right here? Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. In other translations, talking about the work. Blessed is the one that when Jesus returns, he found him doing the work. We know we got God's will accomplished for KCOH that when he returned, we was actually doing the work he set out for the people and citizens of Houston to be getting done. Like our work is a little different than those maybe in Dallas, maybe those in San Antonio, San Antonio, 
right? Lake Charles, right? You know, it's a little bit different than, than our brothers and sisters in Charlotte. Like our work here is, is unique to this geographic region. So in answering the question, how do we know we got God's will accomplished in the earth? Well, we broke up with the notion that in Houston, we was doing enough for God in this space called Houston, right? Because when Jesus returns, he's gonna find us doing that actual work that he commissioned us out to do. The next piece that we had to break up with was that we had to separate from the notion that we was actually doing enough for our generation right now. Amen. We had to break up with the notion we was doing enough for our generation right now. And I like how the word talks about David in this. Well, you would think, David, oh, Old Testament. Yeah, let's go back and go catch all the Psalms and the things that he wrote. No, go to Acts. Go to Acts 13, 36. To, to bring home together, this is not a, a by and by notion of old reminiscentness. We're actually going to see the word of God addresses David in the New Testament right here. So when we talk about dispensationally speaking, right, people be like, oh, well, that was back over there. But then when he bring it up to here, after the Holy Ghost has come, yeah. right, we didn't have the, the explosion already. So now we're talking about conversations that if anybody in the church is going to be taken forward, like Acts is one of them places to start. Taking them all the way forward. What does the word say in Acts? For David, after he has served his own, what? Generation. By the will of God. Fell on to sleep. He was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. Like, David not only did work, but David was doing the right type of work. He did it with the right group of people. At the time, in accordance to God's W word, will. So how are we going to know on our way to breaking into God's will in, the, in Houston that we was getting it accomplished here in King Church of Houston? Well, we start doing the work that serves our generation according to God's will. And if you're here at KCOH, you're probably one of the ones assigned to help service the last generation. Does that make sense? My goodness. And so I was like, Lord, this is... This is solid. He said he served. But big E word that we're moving on to in this year, right, is executing. How do we know we'll get that thing accomplished? We're executing. We're executing right. We're executing accurately, right? So everybody's not called to do everything, but what you are called to do, you are called to do it in excellence. Excellence in execution, right? And so one of the second questions we're going to be asking ourselves along the way of getting to that place where we got those things accomplished in the earth was how do we value the right work? We had to ask that question. When we got to the place where we accomplished having the building that then had the land, that then serviced those communities, that retired our pastor, one of the questions we had to ask ourselves was, how do we go about valuing the right work at this time right now? Amen? And one of the last questions we're going to deal with, and this is my third and final point, on our way to getting God's will accomplished in this time right now, what we had to do was accomplish it by pulling up from our bowels. One of the things that we would have had to endeavor to do was to begin to pull up work from our bowels. Go with me to Jonah. This teach you anything today? Amen. Just giving some insight to anything today? Just starting to lay out what the lay of the land starts to look like? Just give you space to look to run and roam into, right? Because there's a work for all of us here. There's enough room for all of us to pick up something. Trust me. And God would not be mad if you did it well. 
he would not be mad if you executed with excellence. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jonah, we're going to go to chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. So you're probably familiar with the story of Jonah, many of you, right? I imagine. There was a gentleman. He got a call to do a work. He was like, nah, never mind. He said, I'm finna take a cruise. Went on a cruise. They was chilling. They ran out of shrimp. My man was like trying to take a nap. They was getting just high seas turnover turbulence. And at a minute, they were like, okay, bro, hey, this is something that's off. And these are like just the word says pagan people. These were non covenant with God people. They was like something off, right? So this is a man trying to go take a cruise when he had an assignment to do. Um, and as you, many of you know the story, um, he would then turn around, right? Supernatural events that removed him off of such cruise boat and that would then eject him onto land. Get the, get the thing finished, right? That's the, the quick uh, two-second Sunday school version of Jonah. But what I want to break down for you, though, are these elements that were, that were standing out while God was talking to me and pressing on me about, about time, timeline events and things of that nature, right? Because we're in this clock series, yes? And we're going to do our part to at least just share it, yeah? yeah? How about that? Maybe it's a novel idea, yeah? Share it, social media. It's out now. got the links everywhere. So while God's been talking to me about the clock, movement, time, moving progression, right? Uh, Jonah, Jonah came to mind in this. And so chapter 2, verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. What was the point? You have to at some point disregard the size of your present reality. Pretty much, it looked like death for Jonah. Like, it wasn't just fishes rolling around in the sea, spitting up boys. He was like, all right, I'm going to put faith to man. I'm getting spat out one of these fish, man. Lord, look, help me out of this one. And like, like he had no precedence to pull on in that moment. Yes, he had no precedence. There were no previous examples pulling on this. So in that moment, Jonah had to disregard and say, break up what I bring. Break up with our brain. Jonah had to disregard the size of the present reality. God's sight is bigger. What was Jonah doing in that moment? If anybody go back to, uh, if you go back to um, verse eight, what was Jonah doing? If you just look at that, they that are in line vanities forsake their own mercy. He was making an acknowledgement. Yeah, you 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 going into that line vanities, aka I just want to do me right, do me era, do me culture. Um, they forsake their own mercy. Where it says that he gives grace to the humble, right? So when you're not humble, this Old Testament, what is it saying? You're forsaking your own mercy, grace. Yeah, you're casting it off, walking pride. Uh, verse 9, Jonah had a heart turn. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Give a sacrifice of prayer, right? Thanksgiving, right? I will pay that which I have vowed. What did Jonah vow? Well, he was given an assignment. Y'all understand it's like a transaction. Spiritually, like 
You don't, you don't need a receipt to be arguing. Nah, nah, hold on. This line item said I shouldn't be going through this because, uh, like, no, like it was it was a transaction, it was a vow, which back then, which even today, should still be really key. One with his word, wow. right? I will pay that which I vow. Now look at this word: salvation is of the Lord. Jonah, Jesus hadn't arrived. What does this tell you about men and women? Men and women tuned in with God. There's a channel frequency we all come to hit. Yes. Ju it just is. Yes. And for these who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Yes. Amen. Glory to God. So we, ain't, we, ain't, we don't really need a whole lot of shaping up, trying to figure out, okay, denomination this, I'm over here, there. No, just if you in tune, before there was ever a Jesus, even out of his own mouth, like, you're going to understand that salvation is of the Lord. you in tune. So no way to get this thing accomplished the way we call it to get it accomplished here at the Kim Church of Houston. At some point, we had to disregard the size of our present reality. COVID did not surprise God. Yes? Getting so saved, like, that wasn't, that wasn't a thing that God was trying to figure out, man, how are we going to get this done now? Right? Yeah. So on our way to getting the will of God accomplished in the city of Houston for KCOH, one of the things that we had to do along the way was disregard the size of our present reality and see it the way God sees it. God's sight is bigger. God's like, you're in the very thing that can kill you right now, and I'm actually going to use it to put you all right in your assignment. Like, you're in the very thing. Because no precedence, yes? No precedence that fishes was throwing up men on the side of the ocean. Landing right up by the cabana to just recover well, right? There's no precedence for that. There was no previous examples for that. He had a hard turn in a moment. Don't tell me anything about God. In a moment, God can put you right where you need to be, out of the hands of death. But that has to come from where? That's right here. That's right here. That's right here. I'm wrapping up. Come on. So we're going to go to Jonah 114. And what I want you to do in taking this home with you today, one of the other things that we're having to get done to accomplish this will in the earth as it relates to the King Church of Houston, as it relates to just being in the kingdom, as it relates to serving the last generation right now, we have to recognize, man, that more people actually want help than is apparent. More people actually want help than is truly being apparent right now. I'm going to turn here with you. Especially in crisis. Most especially in crisis. Chapter 1. I gave you 14. Jonah's thrown into the sea right there at 10. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me in the sea. Then the sea, I'm at 12. And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. He took ownership. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. Okay? So he gave them the truth, and they rode harder. You go give some people some truth, and they're going to roll harder in their life. Right? Hey, you probably shouldn't reach for that bowl that high. Go get a step stool. Man, I'm going to get decap crunch, right? Back to our example. Back to our example, right? 
Um, verse 13, nevertheless, the man rode hard and returned to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, 14, they cried out. Now, who was they? People on the boat, right? The non-Jonah people, non-covenant God people. All right. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. Who they cry out to? The Lord. They, they didn't even know him like that. And said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. I'm just going to pause. Yeah. Like, Non-believers, right? And that's the mild crew. Wicked people, okay? So I get both ranges in. Nobody feel like I left anybody out. Um, even even they have an inner conversation at a certain point. Even they do. And and the word is showing us that they were given the truth for a moment, tried to ignore it, but they they came back again. Do not let us perish for this man's life. Like they pray, so one, they acknowledging God, they giving them conversations and praying, they just all the way full in, they going negotiating with the Lord, like, hey, can we negotiate with somebody we ain't never just really knew, right? But let us not perish, do not charge us with this innocent blood. For you, O oh Lord, have done as it pleased to you. So they, they have a degree of acknowledging God's judgment. They have a degree of knowing. And the, and the word already told us, he wrote it on every man's heart. Like we had the answer. Like, like we already possess it. And so in filling in that gap to getting those men, because we talked about earlier, what does God's will accomplish in this time look like? Part of it is getting these souls on the ark right now, right? So part of that is the fact that in filling in that gap, they came to a place of acknowledgement. And what it says here is so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. They went ahead and did what we advised them to do. In this time of the pandemic and crisis, stand flat-footed and know that you had a truth. And even if it takes some three days or three months, and if, if they get three years, like it was what we said to do. That was the solution the whole time. Yes. Stand assured. It was what the word of God, because what we saying is what the word is saying. It was what the word of God said that was the truth the whole time. So rest assured on that. And this is Old Testament. And are we in newer and better promises? Okay. So let's, let's, let's just pick that up, right? So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the man feared the Lord God exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Right? Like they converted pretty much, right? They re-evangelized thoroughly to the place of giving their hearts over, <laughs> making their vows, right? Those confessions. And so on our way to getting the will of God accomplished here right now, we got to understand more people want help than they appear to at this time especially while we're in times of a crisis. Yes. And the last piece on this is that I said it earlier, God is not surprised at crisis, right? So we disregard the present size of the situation and we walk with the inner knowing, yeah, he could, he could look me all up and down funny if he wants to, 
But I know a non-believer, he really wants more help than he's giving off. No, they're actually in more pain than they're letting on. No, she actually cries a lot more than the few that you she let you see. Chapter 1, I'm at 17 now. God's not surprised at a crisis. So for the Christian, the time right now for us is to take this space and time, isolate so we can get a proper focus going. Because after they threw him off, they took a violent sacrifice, right? Back into the narrative now, right? We're just going back into the narrative. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, right? And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So, kind of told you the end and the beginning, right? And doing a, doing a weaving thing together. So we know when he was in there, what ended up happening. He got it, oh, I like how Pastor said, Hey, y'all, just come and do business with God. This is a time for serious Christians. Go ahead and just do business with God. Because when you're doing business with God, uh, and I'm more and more seeing this, you may not need the hand laid on you, right? And if you do, come on, we got it. But as you do business with God, he's going to let you know what you need to do. He's going to impress upon your heart for you to come in agreement and alignment with what his will is for your life. Yes. And he's gonna show you what's necessary right now. Because we're here to serve one of the, or the last generation. So he's equipping us so that we know what we are needing to do. Amen. If any other church was confused, it's okay. But at KCOH, yeah. here in the kingdom, if there's any church that would know how we need to go about serving the last generation, yes. it, it'd be us, y'all. This is us right here. Yes, See, what, what Jonah did was he was in the bowels of the beast. And I don't have time to go through the Amplified, but take this on your own time. Go read this story back through in the Amplified. What you'll see it said was, like, he starts, to, he starts to speak from that place that's deep within bowels, mm -hmm. right? Because you got those, man, glad to be here. And those are legit. Those good prayers, right, pop up in the morning, hit it going. But then on your commute, though, like on that time that you got, like it's in that, it's in that deeper place, in all those bowels. You start doing business with God. You start giving it all over. He starts showing you what you need to do. Because at the end of the day, y'all, like we retired pastor. We accomplished the building, further the real estate to then bring in other services, to then serve the needs of those around us. And we got more souls on the ark as a result. That's the end of it. And so one of the last questions that we had to answer was, was how do we value the right kind of time? How do we value the right kind of time? We, we went from the end now back to the beginning. We were the parent that came back in time and saw the Captain Crunch as it scoops itself back on the cereal puddle as it rolls its way back into the bowl as the bowl goes back up to the top. We're now at this point now, guys where we can make an impact on how this situation turns out. Because we ask the questions, how do we value the right people, right? How do we value the right kind of work? And then we start asking, how do we value the right kind of time? Amen.
Because then this all comes to a full circle. 1 Corinthians 9-11. I'll close out here, guys. This comes full circle. When Jesus is coming back. And the question on the table, my money investment people, they know this term called ROI. How do we get to the place we offered the Lord a solid ROI? Well, we, we started answering these questions. We saw the end in mind from the beginning, and we started tackling those hurdles on the way there. I like this. Pastor brought it up Wednesday. It's just been on my mind, and I've been kind of just sitting with this one. If we have sown, this is Paul speaking, right? And you can go read the full chapter 9, get the full flavor of it. He's, he's just giving charge to, to his folks. And he's like, he's, he's giving them questions, right? Hey, y'all, what what's, what's up? What you saying? What we doing? So this is one of those. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, somebody say spiritual things. Spiritual things. Spiritual things sown. Is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? Somebody say carnal things. Carnal what are carnal things? Stuff like your time, your money, your talent, your support, your loyalty. You know, the stuff we just kind of casually, you know, see what's in the pocket today, a little lint on it, and just, you know, those, those things. See, we did this all the way in reverse. Because, see, we was like, we already got accomplished. And we took the backwards route to get to, like, man, how we get the thing accomplished? Because we started right here, y'all. Right. Don't get quiet now. <laughs> if we have sown unto you spiritual things, yeah. what does the man of God sow unto us? Spiritual things. Yeah. Yes. Then what is the appropriate response from us? Yeah. Carnal things. Yeah. No, it's not spiritual things. We can't give the man of God spiritual things. It's carnal things. What are those carnal things? That's your time. That's your talent. That's your treasure. I want to give $50,000 to the ministry. Okay? Now, my salary by itself doesn't allow for all that. But I can sow my talents that could probably produce a thing over a course of time that can then produce the type of treasure that I can stop making excuses, break up with my brain, and disregard the present reality about. Now, how do we get to that place where we're conquering over neighborhoods and getting them things accomplished? Because we took heed to this right here. Y'all, read it with me one more time together. One, two, three. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it of a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Y'all remember Pastor reading that verse? Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, coming full circle now. Because in answering that question, y'all, there are a subset of questions we answered along the way. How do we go about just going all the way hard in the paint with this being answered appropriately? We answered the question how we value the right people. Man of God, spiritual things. How we value the right kind of work. Getting creative with this thing. And then we started valuing the right kind of time. And speaking of time, y'all, 
That's mine for today. And so if you could, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to